Josh Rogers. I am Brian Hare. And we are here for, uh, I don't want to say another episode <laughs> no. <laughs> of the podcast, but we are here. Uh, Brian, real quick, how was your holiday, bro? Man, uh, it was great. Uh, I have so much to talk about. We may have to, you know, yeah. table it. <laughs> I mean, there has been some things happening on this year break. All the things. <laughs> All the things. Uh, All I can't wait things. to share them, though. I can't wait to share them. <laughs> Um, but how was Brooklyn's Christmas and stuff? Was it good? Did you leave any um, boxes in Virginia? We no boxes were left. <laughs> My good no boxes were left. Um, yeah, we never did. Yeah, that's a whole drama. But all I'm gonna have to come back and talk about that in major detail. Okay. Um, okay. But Brooklyn had a great Christmas. Brooklyn had a great Christmas. Uh, first time actually really opening presents and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I think she enjoyed it, but I think I enjoyed it more because I was actually a dad. For real, for real, on Christmas. So, how about you? It was good, man. I um, I, people have been asking me, and the sentiment that I've been giving them is that I'm great. I was grateful to see it, and I know oh, that's yeah. church. Thank but you. Jesus. So many people did not make it this far in 2020, and I'm like, God, I got to celebrate your birthday. Yeah, <laughs> I saw my birthday and I saw yours. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> but no, man, it was good. Um. Got to do some wonderful things for the kids. Uh, shout out to USPS for messing up, you know, deliveries and stuff. My parents and stuff gifts got here post Christmas, but mm. it's not about that. Uh, we had a really great time. Did a crab boil. Oh, God bless you. Oh, yeah, it was it was it was cool, man. And um, just been having a great time. And we hope all of y'all Christmases yes. were great. If you celebrate Christmas, great. If you happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. Uh, Feliz Navidad, whatever it is, whatever you do, <laughs> whatever it is you do, whatever it is that you do. We hope that it was great. Um, but we just wanted to come back and give y'all kind of like a, you know, say hello. Just say hello. Just say hello. Check say hello in. to the puzzle pieces. Listen, we're going to say hello <laughs> to all y'all. Oh, can I do one thing, though? I know we're not doing a fish episode, but I can I do one thing? What you going to do? I think I know what you're going to do, but go Did ahead. You're going to know what I'm going to do? Okay, cause, I, think I know what you're going to do. Because I'm at... <laughs> Whether what? Whether money reside. reside. Whether money reside. Whether money reside. reside. <laughs> Whether money reside. And that's on who? Mary had Mary a little laugh. <laughs> Listen, I could not let us come back on this episode and not acknowledge the we greatness that he is. Um, Daryl or Darrell? Darrell. We're going to talk. We, gonna, we got so much to talk about. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. But um, we wanted to, to give y'all an episode. So today is, if y'all ever remember watching like Martin and all the other episodes in the mm-hmm. 90s, you know, every now and then they give you the best of. Mm-hmm. But the recap, this is what it is. We're going to highlight some of the, your favorite moments on the jigsaw where we laughed the most, where we almost cried, where we had deep conversations and we thought, and we're really going to just let you reflect as we continue to rest. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> and, rest, and, and, you know, at rest and take a break. But there's a few things that you can do. Brian, tell them what they can do for us. Um, well, one, you could always um, go back and listen to all the episodes. All of them. <laughs> All of them. You know what I'm saying? We, we're going to be on vacation. We're on break right now. But go back and listen to all the episodes. Uh, I know the best of is going to kind of break down some things here and there. But listen, go back and listen to all the episodes and just relive the greatness, the, the pockets of joy, as Joshua would say. That's right. Um, that the, the podcast has given you this year. Um, but other than that, after you've listened to the episodes, make sure you share, like, and give us the ratings and stuff like that. Five stars ratings. only. Five stars only. Um, also, um, hit us up. Uh, follow us uh, on uh, social media, the Jigsaw Facebook mm-hmm. page. Go to our um, our website. Hit us up there. Um, follow Josh. What I am, Josh Rogers. That's me on IG. Follow me. I am Brian Hare. Um, hit us up in the uh, on our um, in the PO box. Yeah, ask the Jigsaw. At gmail.com. We we know Christmas was messy for some of y'all. We need the tea. We know things have been going. Y'all know y'all cut people off and try to figure out how to break up folk for the new year. Tell yes. us. Oh, yeah, about the day's coming up too. Oh, brother. Who hmm. who was thinking about getting this jingle jangle for Christmas? Oh, you got to be listening. <laughs> Please write in and give us an update. Please. We want to know. Give us one. <laughs> we want to know. Oh, uh, cause we want we want all the tea. How how let us know how y'all's Christmas was. Yeah, and then also, um, let us know how your new year how your new year went. Mm-hmm. Like, did you eat some stuff that had you laid out all night? Um, did you drink <laughs> a little too much? Yeah, could ate too some butter that had them laid out all night. Hello, Hello somebody. <laughs> Hello, somebody from the stove or the front and the back. We don't know what you ate. <laughs> know what you ate, but you had a good time. And you made it. You deserve it because you made it. You made it. You made it. Um, also, you know, let us know what your favorite episode of the year was. Like, that may be dope. Tell us that. Tell us. Tell us yeah. your favorite moment. Tell us your um, favorite moment. Absolutely. Tell us your favorite episode. Tell us, you know, gas us up. Let us know how great we are. Listen, <laughs> give us the encouragement that is due our name. That's <laughs> what I'm telling y'all to do. All right. But in all seriousness, though, we appreciate yeah. all of y'all. We do. Um, we hope you had a very special holiday season for yep. those of you who may have experienced loss and things like that. Brian and I are always praying for y'all. Always. Keep y'all uplifted with all the good energy and the vibes as young people say, but we're praying. Um, and happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Because we ain't coming back until January 14th. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not. So we're enjoy this. Enjoy this. But we will be back with all new energy, great announcements. I mean, great stuff lined up. Great announcements. I promise you. Y'all want. So tell a friend, tell a friend to join. Join you as a Puzzle Piece member, as a person in the living room. Tell yes. them to bring their chair to the living room because we about to go stupid in it's 2021. About it's about to oh, be yeah. bananas. Uh, but that's it. Enjoy this recap and let's oh, yeah. rewind to some of the best of the jigsaw. We love you. We love y'all. I picked a good one. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you ready for it? I'm ready. All righty. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you <laughs> and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. That's uh, the song of the week is uh, Let's Talk About Sex by S or Salt and Pepper, um, which Salt is a great song. I'm so glad you said that because I was just about to say TLC. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
it all blends together. Nineties, uh, it all blends together. Uh, but that's like the the they're the original uh, WAP uh, sisters <laughs> with a DJ in the back. <laughs> DJ today WAP. <laughs> yeah. We want to do the Bless Up report. Uh, Let's talk about a black queen um, by the name of Naomi Osaka. Yes, she is a black queen. Uh, Mama is Japanese. Her daddy is Haitian. So she's black, black. Uh, She's black. black. (laughs) She's black. Uh, So we want to give her the Bless Up to Naomi Osaka, who won her second U.S. Open Championship. Uh, few of those that do not know who Naomi Osaka is, she's the number third ranked tennis player in the nation, on the world that is. And actually, during uh, the U.S. Open, she decided uh, to wear seven different face masks uh, to honor those who did not receive justice. Uh, so, since you know we believe in saying their names, I'm gonna say their names tonight uh, or today. That is uh, Tamir Rice, Philando Castile. George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Ahmaud Arbery, Elijah McClain, and Breonna Taylor. So she decided to wear these masks to, uh, and, and honestly, interestingly, to kind of protest or stand in some type of solidarity. She didn't say anything, mm-hmm. uh, but she actually just showed her support for those that did not receive uh, justice. Uh, so yeah. uh, what I found to be awesome that I definitely want to give her a bless up for is she used one of the biggest stages in the world. Uh, she uses her platform to highlight social injustice. Uh, so we definitely always want to support, salute, and protect our black women. Report, and we have a couple of people today. Uh, All right. So I'm going to start off with first a black woman by the name of Monica Henderson. Uh, Mink on, Life Monica. Motivation. Uh, Mink Life Motivation is a community of trainers and experts who believe in uh, in empowering individuals uh, by the work of collaboration to optimize our business clients or clients' businesses by utilizing Mink Life. Uh, motivation principles. Uh, they have a community and a platform of online exposure that increases network and net worth. So Mink Life is doing great things. And Josh, you and I had the privilege of speaking at uh, their conference this past weekend. Yeah, we talked about, I think the last two episodes, put the links in the description box. And um, it was amazing. Got to meet and network with some great people literally from across the globe. Some conferences oh, yeah. say that they're global right. and they have like one attendee from Canada, but this one, <laughs> <laughs> this one was like legit global. Um, oh, yeah. People from like Australia and uh, South Africa and just uh-huh. everywhere. India. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was dope. Now there was a woman who claimed to be a psychic who said she used like her tarot card readings to get insight from her business and to, and to find parking spots. And I said, said, listen, (laughs) now I don't know, Monica, we love you, but this, but this woman right here, she she had my, she had my spiritual antennas up, but no, seriously though, conference, conference was absolutely great. And, um, Brian was a breakout speaker. Um, Mm -hmm. excellent job, excellent job all around to everybody who put it together. It was, it was dope. But Josh, you were the one that uh, everyone was talking about, though. I don't know that everyone was talking. The people were talking. The people were talking. They they wanted you to be president. That that is lofty. (laughs) They wanted you to be president. That is lofty. You did a great job, though. You did a really wonderful job. I appreciate you. You know, helping helping me out. You saved me in a couple places, so I appreciate you. What are brothers for? What are what are they for? Friends. Friends. (laughs) I was going there. How many of us have them? Friends. (laughs) Ones you can depend on, 
friends. All right. Bless up, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> so bless up to Monica Henderson and Meek Live Motivation. Continue to do great things in this world. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, next up, um, hopefully we don't need this product or these people um, next Tuesday night. Um, but gonna I'm going to... <laughs> it's going to be in on some hand. capacity in some capacity <laughs> uh, either in celebratory or in you know morning uh so mcbride says a collection it is uh a wine but uh, rob mcbride and andrea mcbride john uh they make wine like i said uh they make it in california and in new zealand Mm-hmm. Since 2015, the McBride sisters have a mission and it's been clear to transform the industry, lead by example and cultivate community one delicious glass of wine at a time. Um, and the dope thing is, you know, usually black women uh, in the black businesses, we have a hard time getting in certain spaces and places. And guess what? Their stuff is in Target. It's in Kroger. Uh, as Black people say Kroger's. It's in Kroger. With the S on there. <laughs> so Trader Joe's in your local wine shop. So, yo, if, if you know, we believe in supporting uh, black business. Uh, so go out there, get your wine, stock up. Um, we're going to need it. Um, <laughs> this is a very, 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 very special uh, bless up. Um, I am giving a great shout out to Miranda Sheffield. All right. She is running for city council, but not just for any city. Okay. Not just for any city. Well, she's running from my hometown, Pomona, California. Pomona. <laughs> district. Si- district. District six. All right. Right. So shouts out to, to Miranda. We went to the same high school. She really does love the people. She loves um, our city. Um, her campaign is powered by the people. That's her slogan. Campaign powered by the people. Um, here are a few things that those that, you know, are, are kind of worried about what she's a stand for. She's about uh, housing and renters' rights, um, police oversight and accountability, uh, racial and economic justice, um, environmental justice and public health, and also to expand youth programs. So those of you that are in our area in Pomona, you know all these things. We need uh, somebody to really fight for us. Um, even though I'm not living there, I am from there and I still represent there. I go there every year, multiple times a year um, to visit my family and stuff like that. And I have family that lives in Pomona. So those of you who are from the city, Mona, that can vote and should vote, I am saying to please vote for Miranda Sheffield. Please consider her uh, for your next city council uh, a member. I think she would do a great job for the city. And again, bless up to Miranda. She's a black woman. Bless up. And we always here to see black women succeed. We are. We're here to salute them, uh, support them, and protect them. So that's what we're here uh, to do. Uh, So shouts out out to Miranda Sheffield. Shouts out to Pomona High School. Stand up. Ah, bless up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So um, that was great. Uh, You want to go to the billboard? Let's go. I think we have a lot to talk about. Oh, we got some things to talk about the thing. So. All right. So we also told y'all that last week that Belle Calise. And Kiari Cephas was getting a divorce. And um, what we learned was that the divorce Mm -hmm. was not because of alleged cheating rumors. Right. Um, Barty Mm -hmm. got on Instagram live and said, thank y'all for your prayers, but I don't need them. (laughs) Save them. 
She said, save. I am not sad. I'm not shedding a tear. She said that, um, you know, uh, uh, as far as she knew mm-hmm. that she was not being cheated on. And she also said that Offset was very bad at cheating. So <laughs> she was like, if they were true, right. we all would have known at the same time. Right. So, again, while we do not celebrate divorce, I, I wanted to update y'all on that because that was that's, what the people said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. It's it, Yeah, that was what the people said. And she was just honest. She was like, you know, they got to a point to where they were tired of arguing all the time, mm-hmm. tired of being mad at each other. And before she said, and before he went and cheated and did anything crazy, you know, let's just end it. Right. So it seems like they still have love. Cardi has been very vocal about how Offset has been a, an amazing father. Mm-hmm. So we probably won't see any changes with them in that form domestically. Right. But it always is. It always is sad to see, especially a black family separating. Definitely. Um, but prayers up to y'all again. But update, and um, we hope y'all hope y'all continue to be mature about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, about it all. So Uno mm. is a game mm-hmm. in black families. Like it is. I'm sure white people and Asian people and our Latin ex brothers <laughs> and sisters and everybody else play Uno. But don't nobody play Uno. Like black folk play Uno. No uh, but it just got blacker. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, one of our top games are Spades and Uno. Mm-hmm. And you know, Uno is the thing. Uh, but now you can encourage change and have fun while doing it. Mattel has collaborated with Nina um, Chanel Abney to create a brand new artistic, beautifully black Uno card deck. This new mm-hmm. card deck was a collaboration with Pharrell. Williams. Shout out to Pharrell. Oh, yeah. His new nonprofit organization, Black Ambition. Uh, and as a part of this collaboration, Mattel will be providing a financial donation to um, PolicyLink to support, to support Black Ambition, which provides opportunities for Black and Latinx entrepreneurs. So shout out to all the Black and Brown oh, yeah. folks that's about to be continuing to play Uno, but not just because we're we going to make up, we don't care what the rules say. Right. We're making up our rules. We're doing right. trying. We're doing triples and doubles. We're mm-hmm. doing we're stacking. We're doing whatever you want to call all it. The, all the things. All the things. So it don't matter how black these cars become. If Sojourner Truth is on the front of, I mean, Sojourner, <laughs> <laughs> if she's on the front, if Harry is on the front, if Malcolm, if they look like funeral fans, and we don't care what the Uno cars look mm-hmm. like, we still playing the rules. You can't put Malcolm X on top of MLK. It don't work <laughs> like that. You got to put a Malcolm X on top of a sojourner true that's what the rule that's what our rules. house rules are the house rules that's the house rules are the house rules okay when, when i put that harriet tubman down that means run away from the table that's what it means <laughs> when i put the mlk down you might have had a dream but you better draw them four cards okay that's what it means it's gonna be black on black on black when i lay that gary morgan it means stop <laughs> <laughs> okay okay we out here teaching black history and doing the things and playing the cards okay yes, sir. okay <laughs> so if you have not figured out what you want to do with these cards listen to me and brian hello for real listen to us put black people on these cards and mm-hmm. make their inventions and their policy stances mean what the cards mean okay yep. <laughs> all right oh you're welcome and it, you're welcome and if you Moving right along. Um, speaking of our um, brown brothers and sisters, one of our brown sisters found herself in mm. hot water. Oh, um, Eva Longoria, with her fine self, got she in fine. some ugly trouble mm-hmm. um, after saying she was being interviewed and they were talking about how pretty much black people, but more specifically black women, mm-hmm. you know, came through and made this election what it was. Right. And in so many words, she said, well, no, I mean, they did great, but the real, the real heroes here are Latin, 
are Latin women. Mm. Um, and I and it was just like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, ma'am, ma'am, pause. And so Black Twitter did what Black Twitter did, and the Black mm-hmm. delegation did what the Black delegation did, and they mm-hmm. drug Miss Longoria about <laughs> her um, extensions through through these internet streets. Um, but then she tried to backpedal. Mm-hmm. She pulled a Karen and tried to backpedal <laughs> clarify her statements by saying that she didn't she didn't mean it or she didn't you know intend it to be that way um comparing black and Latina women because she knows very well that black women have been saving the world for ages, blah 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 blah. What she intended to do was to compare voter turnout and support between Latina men and Latina women. Um what you could have just said was is that we recognize the great work that black people have done, specifically uh-huh. black women, right. and that I am disappointed in Latina men for not showing up in the ways that they did. I want to give a shout out to all the amazing Latina women who mm-hmm. made sure, right, that this election came out the way it was. You should, like, what you said was what you said. We made reference or dragged you, or they dragged you rather, because it was very little room for interpretation. You said what you said, sis. Right, 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 right. You said what you said, sis. You said what you said. like this is not one of those things where i feel like you know it was lost in translation i just you know you said what you said and you Mm -hmm. you you felt the heat so Mm -hmm. you decided to you know to you know backpedal but you did your thing you ain't canceled evil but be Mm -mm. very but be ye fair warned (laughs) be ye fair warned especially Mm -hmm. in these kind of tumultuous times you know you know things are still tense so watch watch your mouth but it's always a great time to talk about racism always Always a good time so um i think that's all i got bro you ready to head to the living room let's go on over Yep, let's get your drinks, get your water, get your snacks, get every, get everything that you need, and let's get ready to do it. Let's do it. Um, it's, it's a weird thing. It's it's one your plans sometimes ain't, and also you need to plan. Yeah. Um. Like I had all these grand plans for this year, mm-hmm. uh, like as far as oh, you know, because you know those are the I have a child, I have my child in October, um, and I had all these like plans to travel and see all these people and do all this stuff. Like literally, I turned thirty five this year. Um, it was our ten year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter was going to turn one this year. I mean, milestone after milestone after milestone. So in my mind, I had everything planned up. Um, I was going to visit my. Like literally every single month of the year, I had a plan of where we're going to go, what we're going to do, purchase plane tickets, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to go on a guy's trip and, you know, or, you know, in, you know, in May, in May, <laughs> we're supposed to go on a guy's trip. Like, and that was, we, and we had planned that for like a minute. Like we had been, could be all busy. So we were like, this is the time to go do it. So literally I, it was going to be like nonstop. And we had a plan. I had a plan for everything, purchase tickets, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much all of my plans for that pretty much just blew up. Um, and I'm gonna go to something different, but I'm gonna go out in a little bit. Okay. And um, like I, at the beginning of everything, it was kind of like, oh, okay, it's cool. My plans are still gonna be in effect. This thing's gonna blow over and we strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, and I think I think every month as as friends, we would text each other and say, How y'all doing? How y'all doing? And at the beginning of the the time, I was like, I'm great. This this is straight, blah, blah, blah. This is this is great. But then as time went on, it was kind of like, okay, like get me out of here. 
and like I started becoming like kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, being in the house all the time. I wasn't going, I'm not going to the office, not going anywhere, pretty much just in the house. All my plans as far as traveling and those, you know, that know our group, our circle, like we go all the time. Like traveling is like a thing that we do. Um, and like I just did not get the opportunity to travel and I like was getting claustrophobic and then I was getting like cranky and like upset because it was like I just need to go somewhere. I have to be attracted to you too at some point. Right. Uh-huh. And I and I want what I want. Like, and I don't uh-huh. think anything's wrong with that. Like, do you think there's anything wrong with like wanting or having the checklist? I think that so yes and no. Okay. I think that when it comes to my my famous saying is that God will never play you. Mm-hmm. Meaning, um, I don't care how deep and spooky I may be, I want something nice to look at every day. Right. Um, I don't believe that God is going to give me this package with this amazing content that I don't even want to touch, right? I think the wrapping paper is important. It's not better than the content, but it is important. Um, I want that um erotica type of love like mm-hmm. I want that I want to be able to jump your bones I want I don't want it to be a task to have sex with you to look at you if we're really going to be in this for the long haul right um but I also think that some of the superficial things as far as it, there has to be standard and preference right so your preferences may be a little flexible so maybe he's not six six maybe he's six two like maybe <laughs> right. he's maybe he's not um for women or for men that exact physical physique that you want but if they are appeasing to you and you don't feel like you're settling in that area I think that's okay to go with um but I don't want us to be so focused on a list that we miss out on good people but I don't want us to be so fake deep that we act like we're gonna take everything Mm. that comes our way because that's just not that's not realistic that's not realistic that's not realistic realistic. because if I'm honest like my superficial vanity list was like light skin, long hair, and every woman I dated in college actually was the complete opposite of that. Um, mm. My wife is nice and chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's beautiful too. She's Ain't she though? Um, so like, so, so to that point, absolutely. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own like superficial standards that we think we want, right? That we could be really right. missing on what God has prepared. Or, you know, if you are not a believer in your soulmate, you know, what, what, whatever, your, whatever your verbiage is, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? We right. could be really be missing out if we like stick to this, to your point, like this mm-hmm. very stringent list. So mm-hmm. let's go into a dating scenario, right? We're out uh-huh. somewhere, we're in a social, um, at a social event and social cues, they are mm-hmm. things. Are people really picking up on them or has like social media and virtual reality kind of distorted our ability to read people and their interest in us? Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you asked this. So (laughs) absolutely no. People do not pick up on social cues. Like I think that social media is a blessing and a curse, Mm -hmm. but I think the blessing is you get to connect with so many different people. We, um, we get to meet people that aren't in our everyday neighborhoods in our churches, workspaces and things like that. So it expands your reach. However, we fail to put our phones down when it's time to be present in the moment. And I think that we really need to go back to just basic social skills. You don't even know, like, I talk to women all the time. They're like, I just don't, I just don't know what to do. Like, if he approaches me, hello, hi, smile. It's okay. It's <laughs> right. okay. I promise you it's okay if you smile. Like, I promise you, nothing will happen. Um, being able to 
talk to someone and have a conversation with them. And I think that's why we get so mingled up in the shooting your shot process and things like that, because we don't even know how to have um, basic conversations, complimenting one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't even do that as friends. So when it comes to the romantic side of things, it gets so construed because on social media, all you have to do is put an emoji. All you have to do is put a like and you can slide in the DM or in the comments and you don't even have to have a whole lot of content for somebody to be interested in you. So I think that it's almost a catch 22 and we have to, as much as we're advancing in technology, don't miss those moments where you're in spaces, in rooms of a potential bay. And because you're socially awkward and this is not nothing against introverts or people who have who prefer different settings but in that moment attempt to be present smile i tell women all the time this rest and be face is gonna keep you alone because if if you look <laughs> like you don't want to be bothered people are not going to bother you Listen. so i think that's where we and then we're, we're all in our phones like we're all trying to capture the moment instead of just really living in the moment. And I think that is, I know that that is really um, hindering some of us because you can't even catch the cue because you're so busy on your phone. Right. Like I took, like I've like, so I'm a part of Kappa Epsilon Fraternity Incorporated, best fraternity on this side of heaven, <laughs> if I must say so myself. Um, <laughs> and I've been out with some of my frat brothers and I'm like, and we are literally in a corner together. I'm like, why y'all around me? Like you trying to slide her DMs, like, but like just walk on over there. So to the whole resting B face, bro, it's the same for you. Like you can't mm-hmm. be bugging from the corner and mm-hmm. then be mad, be like, man, well, none of these women checking me out. Because I mean, because, mm-hmm. because you trying to stroll all night or you trying to <laughs> hang with your boys all night, like that's not going to transfer. So like, it's interesting that you said that specifically with the generation that we're a part of. Like, have you found it hard curating this type of experience? and what is considered like a social media generation? Sure. Well, I think obviously you have the the inherent challenges that go with the coronavirus, right? So, yeah, that's the um, thing. <laughs> right. So, so that in and of itself, um, we've kind of seen, and actually we're in the midst of, of kind of relaunching right now because we've kind of seen, all right, we got to transition and really get our game plan down as far as creating content. Yeah. Right, and creating content that, that's valuable, that people, you know, can digest. Um, and also content that we can have that's live where people can interact with one another and still get that live kind of feel, right? So that's kind of the challenge that we're facing right now. But in general, um, not necessarily only because I think that because there's such an oversaturated market of everything else, you know, mm-hmm. going going to the club and popping bottles and, and that kind of lifestyle, not knocking that at all because, I mean, everybody enjoys that once in a while or, or whatever, right? Um, but I think because that exists so heavily, I think that there's a large population of people that feel the way that I felt when I was thinking of this concept that mm-hmm. are looking for something else. And I think when you provide a space and you provide an experience that fills in the gap for those people and fills in that void for those people, I think it's a pretty easy sell because it's something that, you know, people want to do, but because we're either conditioned to, oh, uh, this is the only thing or, we haven't opened our mind to be like, oh, well, we could be doing something else. We could be having a different type of party or what have you. It just hasn't happened for some reason. But I think, I think um, challenge-wise, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's easy so. I think that's dope, like taking the party out of the DM and off of social media and kind of bringing, yeah. it, and bringing it face-to-face. I mean, because 
I mean, just on a platonic level, I think we've lost the art of, or we're losing the art. I won't say that it's lost, right? Of like communicating and really curating relationships. So like in a sense, like, you know what I'm saying? You're reestablishing that. So kind of like, kind of, kind of talk me through that. Like how an event, like, so if I'm at an event where my boy Theo is throwing that mm-hmm. joint and, you know, we're going like, how do you like help curate that specific experience? Like what are some of the things that makes this different than, we're not going to talk about going to compound and jumping in the Corona juice pool, but like, just like different, <laughs> different than like, you know what I'm saying? Being at your typical nightclub or lounge. For sure. Well, I think the main thing and, and something that we have an advantage of is having that rooftop aspect for one. Yeah. Right. So having that rooftop that we have is actually the largest rooftop within Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was just so fortunate enough that my grandma owns. So having that space, it naturally kind of lends itself to something different because I'm big on not necessarily having sex and everything else. But I think just having that outside aspect, I think that there's a lot of rooftops in Atlanta that kind of cater to white people, mm-hmm. um, just bluntly speaking. But I think that kind of vibe and that kind of elevated vibe for African-Americans is something, especially young African-Americans, is something that I haven't seen um, in Atlanta to, you know, that kind of level. So I think, first of all, just introducing that in and of itself. And then different, you had different elements to it, right? So you have a photo booth that you put up there. Okay. All right, so you know people love to take pictures, you right? Know they so incorporate, play on that social, exactly. So play on that social media, that social capital aspect of it too, right? Because you understand that people love to be seen in today's day and age, right? So you're going to put that up there, right? Because mm-hmm. people love to dress up, people love to be seen, people love to look good, and people love to let people know that they look good, <laughs> right? So just playing on some of that psychology too, right? Putting things in different activities um, and different kind of features up at that rooftop or up at a different party, right? Where you may make it a theme party, right? You may bring it back to the seventies. You may make it a Caribbean style theme and make sure that all that aligns. So you're not going to be up in compound. It's going to be Caribbean style theme and you're just in a section. It's not going to go down like that. But if yeah. you have an open space, right? And this dance hall music plan is Afro beats, you know, the vibe lends itself to, okay, we're going to go in here. We're going to dance. We're going to have a good time. Usher, rather, has been in the game longer. Chris Brown has been a little bit more consistent. Yes. Because these last maybe five or six, maybe even longer than eight years, Usher ain't put out really nothing. Uh-uh. Like Good Kisser, um, a couple of other joints were just like, I mean, yeah, like it wasn't bad, but it definitely wasn't like. Because Chris Brown stayed. And then that thing he did with, what's that album, that EP he did with the, uh, the famous producer guy. What is his name? Uh, um, not Jermaine Dupri. Oh, gosh. What is it? No, it's like one of the DJ Mustard type of... Oh, um, what is his name? Um, what is his name? What is that man's I, I name? I think I know his Jesus name. Christ. If you didn't ask me, I would know it. I know. Let me let me wait a minute. Let me let me do some recon and Google. Um, ba, 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 He's from Atlanta. What's the dude's name? He is from... Zaytoven. There he is. Trash. That whole thing was garbage. Trash. The whole thing was trash. Mm-hmm. Now, this new song or more recent song he has with LMA is a dope song. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like beyond that, Usher ain't really gave us nothing recent. Right. Like Chris just released the album last year. Mm-hmm. They got at least four or five mm-hmm. just radio bangers right, on. Right, right. First of all, it's 50,000 songs. Right? Yes. But I don't need that. I don't <laughs> he need that. Still, <laughs> I don't need that either. But he still got about four or five bangers. Like, so if we just went from the last five years, Chris could pull maybe 10 right. just from the last five years that would completely wipe out 
Because you talk about longevity, but you I mean, you got to think about it. How many albums does Usher, like, he has longevity, but how many albums? Because he also came up in a season, in a time, where artists weren't releasing stuff every year. They would give you an album, tour that joint. You might have heard from them for another three years right, or something. Right. And, and, and I would say he, and Usher also came up in a time where he was the only Usher. He was the only person doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was the only person that was singing and dancing. Like before that, who was who was that who was that person? You know what I'm saying? Like so, Usher, exactly. Usher came at a time where there was nobody else doing what he was doing. Um, he also found a couple people um, who, as far as producers, who like he worked with some amazing producers. Like let's let's not even consider that too. Like as far as he came in with with Diddy, um, then he went to Babyface and mm-hmm. Dupree and Rico Love, and you know, say so he he's had like some some great assistance. Um, and that's nothing to discredit Usher, uh, because he's an amazing right. artist. And, and I've, and I remember at one point Usher was like doing concerts on TV and, and, but there was really no one that can even compete with Usher. Um, and I kind of feel like right now, Chris Brown is in a place where there's nobody that can compete with Chris Brown. Like the dude will, no, absolutely. He'll drop like a, a 50, 50 track album. And then, like, say, oh, I'm gonna drop another 50-track album. And mind you, like, none of the songs are bad, um, but like, they get repetitive. Repetitive. Chris only talks about a few things, um, but and that's why I'm saying mainly one, yeah, mainly one, <laughs> which is why I'm like, Chris, don't give us a 50-track album. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, give me a good solid 10 to 12 tracks. I know that 10 to 12 tracks is gonna be no skips. Um, yeah, and even like so. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Chris Brown guy. Um, I do love Usher. Usher has an amazing catalog. If I were to spend my last dollar on a concert or an album, I'm probably spend my last dollar on Fame and see Chris Brown in concert uh, because I feel mm-hmm. I just I'm, I love Chris Brown. So I just looked up both of them, and Usher has nine albums to Chris's ten. Okay. And again, to that point, we talk about longevity, but I don't. Uh, to my earlier point, I don't think we actually realize like the amount of work Chris has put out since his, you know, the Yo single, his his initial mm-hmm. album. And again, like we can go back and forth about who would win. And here's the third piece about verses. It's all about the timing. Right. It's all about what you select, who goes first, because right. I think that gives you a real disadvantage because you could come out like. We were kind of talking about this with the uh, Rick Ross to change. Right. Because one of our friends was like, if Rick Ross played Hustling, it's over. I was like, Hustling is a good song. But for me, it's not a shut it down because he played Hustling. For me personally as a fan, if two chains play, it's a vibe. Mm. That wins for me. Like, because it's a vibe. It's just over every day. Like, no, it's a vibe. Like, makes me want to. Makes me want to buy that. Like, it's just, you know what I'm saying? So I think it really just depends on what they pit against each other. And I think also, like, as much as people want to say it's disrespectful, it is really a fair comparison. It because is. if you take Usher or Chris Brown, who, like, who else is going to compete against either nobody. one? Nobody. Like, nobody. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, during Usher's time, like, there was nobody that was touching Usher. And mm-hmm. right now, like, who is the other R&B artist that's in, that's in, uh, that's in uh, Chris's category that can even touch anything that Chris Brown can do? We'll let Jacquees tell right. you. I'm about, to, I'm about to bring up Jacquees. <laughs> but th- there's nobody. And think about this. Chris Brown, he raps. He produces mm-hmm. his own music. You know what I'm saying? Like, he does. Like, he, like, Chris, like, as a as an artist, my Chris Brown is my favorite R&B artist. 
Um, yes, I agree. And, and on top of that, too, I think Chris Brown he respects history. He respects R and B. If you even listen to like his samples, he samples a lot of the the, the hits of the nineties and pays homage to all these people who what is it, undecided that the Shawnee's um, uh, uh-huh. uh, 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 not a remix, but the um, sample like that's dope. Or you looked at about uh, she ain't you. You went back and pulled yes. an old SWV slash Michael Jackson song. Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. It's a smash. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's good. It's a good song. So it's like, I think that's what another role, like Chris Brown, like he, he'll pull back on, on culture uh, and, uh, and do some great stuff. I and mean, he's not, he's not the best. He's not a, a, a vocalist, but, mm-hmm. but you know, he does his thing. He does his thing. And see, here's the other piece. They have three songs together. Mm-hmm. They got new flame, which I think Usher actually made the new flame, made new flame. What that like his verse is actually a really good one. Um, the back to sleep remix. I want to say the remix is better than the original to me. That's true. I would agree. I would agree. Um, and, it, and then part and then party has Usher on it too. Okay. And already so uh, so so to your point, there's definitely a respect factor there because he brought him on three different songs, right. three different albums. Um, and then, like I said, the remix of um, "Back to Sleep" oh. to me is just a better version yeah. of the song. Yeah. And even if you think about the "Back to Sleep," he did like four remixes and brought back all these old school R&B mm-hmm. artists. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, that's another reason why I, I just love Chris. Like, so you know, I'm a stand. I'm not even going to even deny it. Yeah, me either. Like, I don't have like if you. If I have some personal playlists mm. of mine, and one of them is a best of breezy, my favorite breezy. I don't have a best of Usher playlist. Nah, uh, and I, and my, <laughs> I, have, I have I have a lot of Usher on my on my Apple Music. Like, I do a lot. Me too. Like, I listen to like I listen to Usher. I love. Usher. You know, I work out to a couple of like some of his stuff is real good for like when I'm lifting or like squats because mm. it's like slower paced. Um, so like I list like Usher's in the rotation right. for real, for real. Right. But when you talk when you talk about like fan dumb or whatever it is. Now, I probably would never go to a Breezy concert only because I don't want to deal with all the extraness that comes with <laughs> a Breezy concert. Like, I don't care to have these 16-year-old girls screaming in my face. It's, it's and, a lot. It's a lot. You know what I'm saying? And all that different kind of stuff. But at the same time, I might just because I enjoy Breezy. Listen, you know what I'm saying? Listen, go to a Breezy concert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I probably, like, at the end of the day, if the opportunity came, I probably definitely would. But to that point, I don't think that it's clear cut. I don't think that you can just definitively no. say that Usher is going to be the one. Like Usher has, an, I think it would literally, if anything, I think it would almost be like a a draw if they played the right songs. Against yeah, each other. And, and that's the thing. And that's my, if, if sometimes we can't like some things aren't clear cut. Like if somebody if mm-hmm. somebody argues and says, "I believe Usher." Can beat Chris Brown in the verses. Well, I've seen the arguments, like full fledged arguments. And, and I can, I can. If you say I think Usher will win, I, I can't be like, how dare you say that? If, if, yeah, if Chris Brown can win. I can't be like, oh, how dare you say that? Because they're to me, they're so, they're so different. One thing I will say about Usher though, Usher has some like timeless songs or like some songs True. maybe that I feel because I kind of I feel like I, I'm what thirty five. I feel like I grew up with Usher. Not with mm-hmm. him, but like on his music. So some of them, some of the Usher songs are kind of like, I remember where I was when I first heard My Way or You Remind, mm-hmm. you remind Me or um, what's the one? What makes me want to leave the one I'm with? Uh, Which Summer Walker kind of brought back to us. Right. Exactly. So And he's on it. So it's like, like I, Usher to me is more of like a vibe or of like nostalgia or like a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Whereas Chris Brown to me is like, he's current, he's fresh. He's like, I was, a, I was older when I started listening to Chris Brown. I, I was a, you know, teenager, early twenties. I was listening to Chris Brown, but mm-hmm. like, if I'm gonna have to choose, I'm probably gonna still choose Chris Brown. Like, no disrespect to Usher. I mean, why are we expected to change our presentation once we arrive? Right. Um, and I see that in corporate America all the time. Like, I see things where, okay, mind you, I've been with the firm. I've been with, uh, I met working at an investment firm. I've been with this firm going on 12, 13 years. I want to say maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I see people as I continue to to, to go higher. You kind of see, of course, black people. We kind of the numbers, the number of us decreases the higher you go. Yeah. Um, and I have also seen people who feel like, oh, now that I get to a certain level or a certain, uh, we have three levels in our building. Once I get to level three or the third floor, I need to dress a certain way yeah. um, because our CEO is on this floor or I need to do, um, I need to wear a tie now or I need to uh, talk a certain way or I need to kind of be friends with these people. And it's, and you didn't do none of that stuff to get to the place you are now. So why none would, of it, right? So why would you flip the switch and and try to uh, try to be something that you're not just to try to continue to, to go higher? And, and and what what people don't understand is some people don't care nothing about you. Not a thing. The people that you're trying to uh, assimilate with, the people you're trying to, I guess, trying to convince that you are one of them or one of the good old boys or trying to be in the crew, they don't care not one thing about you. Um, at the end of the day, they're concerned about their bottom line. Are you doing the work? Exactly. They they, they don't they don't care what 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 you listen to, what you wear. Are you getting the job done? Are you mm-hmm. being paid? Are you are you are you uh the, doing the thing that I'm paying you for? And that's it. And that's and that's how Kyle was. Kyle was who he was, but he did his job and did his job the way he wanted to do it. As far as but uh, as far as in his presentation of who he was. Mm-hmm. And in that space, and, and Kyle, for the record, like, let's just, let's, let's learn something else about your host, right? I love Living Single. I have probably watched it 8 million times, especially since it's been on Hulu. It just runs on repeat <laughs> every day. And Kyle is my least favorite character. Um, for a myriad of reasons, we can bring we can bring a few people to the living room and have a conversation on the complexities of living single. Matter of fact, let me jot that down for a living room conversation. Uh, um, but but you know, even what I do love about him in in this conversation specifically is that he even there were there was one episode where he was unfulfilled. And he created like the African mutual fund mm-hmm. at his job. Like, so he found moments to take what he loves to do, which was being a stockbroker, mm-hmm. being in finance, doing those things, but still inserting his blackness. And as he moved up the ladder, when things got monotonous and mundane, he was like, I can find ways to make this interesting. Um, and that's another thing that I think is super important and valid to this conversation that we don't have to lose who we are, what we value as we matriculate up in life. Like there are ways that we can still champion for certain things, um, especially in a time like today. Um, I have a colleague who the company was not really speaking to them about what's going on. So they just, they went to HR and said, I'm going to start a black um, ERG, employee resource group. Mm-hmm. And HR was like, great. Oh my God, that's important. Like, first of all, should have been had one. Right. But the point is, is that we can still create and curate things within spaces that benefit us because what's 
What's real, real, real true is that most of these corporate spaces, especially, are not designed for us to navigate through successfully. Oh, so we have to find spaces and create spaces that lead to our success. Right, right. It's it's really like your jigsaw uh, podcast, which is perfect because it's it is it is what black life kind of is um, to a certain degree, especially in certain spaces uh, in the United States. We'll say that we since we live here, um, spaces were not designed for us. Yeah. So we're basically trying to find what, what we, we are a piece of the puzzle, an important piece of the puzzle. We can go down and talk about how we built the country and all that kind of stuff. But in today's society, we are an important, we're an integral piece of the puzzle. Um, but oftentimes we find ourselves in many spaces and places um, trying to find out where we fit. Um, yeah. And oftentimes we find ourselves trying to, it's kind of like when, as a kid when you, um, you don't know how to put puzzles together, you have the piece and you're trying to smash it Mm-hmm. place that it does not fit and oftentimes we try to do that we try to mash ourselves and smash ourselves to places we don't because it, it usually had that puzzle piece it looks like it belongs there but it doesn't belong there it does not belong there it doesn't belong there it, it, it has the same color it has the same image a similar image but it does not belong in that space right and we try to mash it in that space because you don't know how to use a puzzle and then somebody comes along and say, oh, no, you're, you're close, but it belongs here. And then it comes mm-hmm. in that place real smooth. So and that is, I, I feel that, that that's going back to what you said initially as far as being exhausted as one of the things that kind of makes being black exhausting is really trying to navigate life's spaces where we created it and we're still trying to find places where we fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, absolutely. So let's let's round out the conversation because I know we we got we got stuff to do in places to be. Has there ever been a moment where you felt like you've had to downplay your blackness? Um, I will say there's been times I've had to downplay my blackness, not necessarily in terms of not live out loud. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oftentimes I try to some of the stereotypes that they feel about black people. I feel like sometimes I'm a little more cautious uh, yeah. to not necessarily that I may do them, but I'm a little more conscious um, on if I'm going to do them or not. Yeah. Um, um, like when it comes to like meetings and stuff like that, and it could be annoying, it could be a little tedious. I'm not going to be so quick to say stuff or speak out um, because I know I know they're going to talk trash. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would rather just have a conversation with, with my supervisor, manager, whatever, on, on, a, on, a, on a side conversation, give them a, a full feedback of what I feel, a presentation, do something a little more outside of the spotlight. I don't like being in the spotlight anyway. Um, but there's some things I know that they're expecting uh, us to do as far as black people. And even though it may be right, like us yeah. now in meetings is right. Um, yeah. if you disagree with something it's right. Um, but oftentimes you're going to see if, if there's any type of objection in any type of setting, it's going to be like, Oh, here they go. Angry black folk. So I will say I, I've in, I found myself, um, instead of, uh, t- in moments where I probably could have said something, 
instead of wanting to even deal with the, the foolishness, I'll step back and be like, you know what? I won't say anything. I'll just do it another time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens in corporate America a lot because white dudes will be in the same table cussing, talking about, oh, this is blah, 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 blah. And oh, they, they have passion. They care about their job. But I can say, um, I kind of disagree with this. Here they go. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's like, chill, bro. It's, 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 it's not that deep, I'm man. Just, I'm just serious. We're just trying to do, oh, uh, and then people start crying and people's feelings get hurt. <laughs> it's like, where do we get here? So um, I'll say in, in those moments, I think in group settings, um, I don't know if, I don't know if there's toning down my blackness, but I will tone down from doing things uh, that they think is a stereotypical black thing or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. No, no, I get that because I found myself in that similar space, not necessarily toning down my blackness, but I, a, a very um, not serious, but real example is I love watermelon. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like with salt on it. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, and I don't cut it up in little chunks. I cut um, quarters. And just eat it <laughs> um, the way my grandma taught me to do it. You know, that's the right way. Um, but no, so, but there were moments where, you know, I'm not a big breakfast guy. So a granola bar or a bowl of fruit, smoothie, those kind of things really serve me. I'm great, you know, with that in the morning. And But there were moments where I'd be like, man, do I want to bring this watermelon up to my desk? And, you know, but I got to a place where I just like, I didn't care because I understand the stereotypes that go along with chicken and watermelon and all that kind of stuff. But I like the fruit and I dare you to come to my cubicle having a conversation (laughs) about my watermelon because it is going to be a thing. But to your point, before I got to that place, I definitely was self-conscious about, you know, eating it and bringing it there because like, I think, oh, here you go. Another nigga eating watermelon, (laughs) you know, and, 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 and as much as I don't want to be looked at that way. I also don't care because I mean it is a piece of fruit. It is delicious, and I shouldn't feel any type of way for yeah. eating it because yeah. of preconceived notions. And, and I know that's a very small example, but I know many of us sometimes, oh, a lot of you know, don't yeah, don't talk about certain music we listen to or certain things that we do because there are big conversations that I've been in with white colleagues, so they've talked about music and they're going in about artists who. I have no idea. And they, and they were mainstream pop or country art. I'm just like, I know the name, but I couldn't tell you one thing they've ever sung, you know, and, you know, and it's not to say that, I mean, cause my playlists are really black, mm-hmm. but, um, that I do, I like Maroon 5. I like, <laughs> I did listen to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys when they were, you know, hot. But right now I can tell you that like Ed Sheeran is on my, my playlist or any one else, you know, and it's not to say that I don't, I couldn't enjoy their music. It's just not my choice. Um, so there are times where, you know, I've, I've felt self-conscious in those type of conversations, to be honest. But then as I've matured, I'm just like, okay. I don't know it. I don't know it. You want to talk about Al Green? Um, you you, you want to talk about, you know, Three Six Mafia? You want to talk about Kirk Franklin? You want to like, you know, some of the people who I listen to religiously? Uh, and if we don't have any commonality, let's exchange some playlists. And actually, that was a white colleague, um, Mira. She was an attorney, Jewish lady, um, real cool. And every Friday, we would share um, a song with each other because she didn't really listen to trap. I didn't really listen to her type of music. And it was just our way 
of exposing each other to culture. And it wasn't, and it was my idea because we would talk about music and, and what's interesting was she had a crush on Dwayne Wayne from different world. And that's how we, (laughs) right. That's how we kind of started having like cultural conversations and, and she was a real ally and advocate. So that's, that was another piece. So we just like, you know what? I said, let's do a thing called music Friday. I said, you send me something you really love. I'm going to send you something. And then Monday we would come back and just like really, really talk about it. Uh, I think the thing is, is, is really just having a safe space, right? Yeah. Um, as men, and I, it, as I think we are, as far as trends, has a little bit different where we do create a safe space for you know, black men. We tell each other we love each other. Uh, we are authentic with one another. So I think the um, creating the safe space is important to where you can say anything in the group chat, say anything uh, to each other, um, yeah. and it's going to stay in the safe space, right? So it doesn't go anywhere else. It doesn't go outside of that space. Um, and then, you know, we may like join you a little bit about depending on what you say, You're but right. it's, it's, it's in love. It's not really going to be in some like animosity type stuff, which I think uh, it's just good for brothers to have that space um, in general. So since, since we're in the trust tree, I'm, I'm going to get on you real quick, Brian. Okay. You definitely just showed your age when you said John. You definitely just got uh, into your old man. Oh, when you said what, John. what are the kids called these days? Roasting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, say roasting? He was like, Rose, now, now, Chris, you can't call up an age and then don't know what the, what the children are saying. <laughs> At Jonah from Chris. Chris taught me about Jonah when I came to Atlanta. Hey, hey Chris, <laughs> Chris, it's all about comedic timing, man. You know, your Wi Fi acting up, man. Your jokes ain't hitting, man. Man, ain't it? <laughs> I, I've been on the down street lately, though. My jokes weren't hitting this past weekend. I don't know what it. happened. Yeah, so, so let's, let's pause for the calls right there because the man of God was telling the joke in person. <laughs> and we was all just looking. He kept, he was waiting for that comedic relief, <laughs> and he had the awkward to say, "I'm trying to get these jokes off," but and I was like, "They ain't hitting, fam. They, they ain't hitting. They, they ain't hitting." It's all about comedic timing, man. Comedic timing. Oh, but no, that's 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 super super true. And I think, well, why is it though? Let me just go there. Why is it? Do you think that men have a hard time being vulnerable. Like sometimes even with brothers that they've been friends with 15, mm-hmm. 20 some years, right? They still sometimes don't seem to break that barrier or push past the certain, all they can't talk about is titties and booties, right? Like, but right. They, don't, they don't ever get mm-hmm. past the barriers of mm-hmm. sexuality. So like, why do you think that that, that, that barrier is there? It's the male ego. It's the, yeah. it's the male ego. Like we have to uh, present ourselves as these strong, tall big you know humans who are unbreakable invisible Mm -hmm. teflon dons and that nothing affects us but when in reality you know we go through our own stuff too and that um you know that's why i think it's important for men to be to be vulnerable i think it's important for men to go to therapy um you know i think it's important for men just to open up and uh, i mean I've, i've had my own issues with opening up as well so uh I think mm-hmm. it's definitely needed. It's it's definitely important because at the end of the day, uh, we need to get that out. Because if we don't release it verbally, we're gonna release it, you know, in some shape, form, or fashion. Um, I tend to think um about superheroes, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, even Superman had to take off his uniform and he became Clark Kent. Clark Kent. My my apologies. Um. Even Batman, when he took off the uniform, he became Bruce Wayne, and we could see the vulnerabilities. We could see their idiosyncrasy, who they are as people. So I believe that when you're able to identify that I don't have to be this all the time, yeah, I can actually be who I am, 
that's when we get to the who you are get to who you are that's when you become comfortable and secure in knowing that if i say this that or the other it doesn't make me any less than who i am mm-hmm. right yeah um so i think I, what it sounds like is authenticity the uh need for us men to be authentic uh and to just kind of embrace who we are as people as flawed individuals as sometimes weak individuals um sometimes that we just you know uh, have things that we're going through. And I saw this meme that was on uh, Instagram that said, black men going, I'm good ourselves to death, right? So what is it, what is it that we're going through? Why, is you, why do you all feel like, you know, even if we're not good, we gonna say, we good. Like, what, is that, what does that mean to y'all? What does that feel to y'all? Because weakness is often looked at, because showing vulnerability is often as a weakness. Mm-hmm. And that's just society... We need to normalize that it's okay to have a weakness. There's no such thing as a perfect person. Right. There's always right. going to be something that you can work on. There's always going to be something that you just fall short of. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that, yeah, this is my shortcoming, but I can work on it. You don't have to be stuck in this, hey, I'm strong. I'm all this. I'm mm-hmm. all that. Because at the end of the day, that's going to be your detriment. That's going to make that's going to be your downfall. Thinking that you are up here while not recognizing that it's actually a weakness. Mm-hmm. So I, and I, I think a lot of times, sometimes men's weaknesses have been used against them, whether it's in, in arguments or conversations in, in different relationships that they may have been in or, or you know, That's good. or, or That's you good. know, weaknesses, let's, let's you know, have been uh, used against them uh, with, you know, friendships with, with different guys. So like, they may feel like, oh, I can't show you this area of my life one weekend because, you're going to try to attack that and you're going to try to attack me. Yeah. And, and within that, they put up this barrier, this wall to where um, they make sure that the next person can't get to them in this particular way. Uh, so that's why I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, men, you know, don't show that level of vulnerability because they don't want to come off or be perceived as being a weak man, because, you know, unfortunately, you know, and I've been in relationships like this where, you know, I've, you know, I've tried to be vulnerable and, I've been told, you know, oh, you're just weak. And then at that point, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to shut it down. I'm going I'm to so, compartmentalize what I'm feeling and move on. And you but know the gag what? Is, that... I'm strong for telling you this. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. That's good. That's a good point. And I think to add to that, Marcus, I think a lot of times we react that way because we've been socially conditioned to act that way. Mm-hmm. When we're children and we fall and hurt ourselves, right? Quit all the crime. Mm-hmm. You know, you a punk. Like, Nigga, I just fail and bust my kneecap. What do you what do you, what do you want me to do? It's real blood. Right. You know what you I'm saying? You don't like, see this white meat. Right. Like my son, my oldest son just recently fractured his elbow uh, because he was being a nine-year-old. He jumped off the top of our patio and that foot <laughs> slipped and he hurt his arm. And when he came to the house screaming, like, I didn't tell him to be quiet. Like he has a fractured arm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, you're not a punk for expressing pain, but I think so many times. We're penalized even as children, mm-hmm. as men, right? Young boys, like you, you should not be crying. You should not be doing this. You should not feel emotions. And one thing that I love what Ash and I do with our boys is that we're raising pretty y'all. I mean, especially you know Brian and Chris, y'all have been around Josh and Jaden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that they're emotionally intelligent right. <laughs> children. They will say like. I don't want to do that. Or I feel this way about something, you know, and my response as a parent may be whatever, but we're raising them to be children, to be able to express themselves. I think so many times in our generation, we have to unlearn that it is bad to be emotional or that it is bad to um, have these feelings and these emotions. Like I can be sad 
I can be happy. I can be joyful. I can be mad. I can be all these things and still be a hundred percent man, still right. be, you know what I'm saying? You know, masculine presenting or whatever that, you know, whatever that means for you right. and still have all of the feels and all of the emotion. I agree. I definitely think about, um, Kevin Hart just posted, not Kevin Hart, but Kevin on stage. He just posted his son talking about why do y'all want me to take pictures and fake like I'm happy? I'm not really happy. I thought it was like, I was like, okay, that's, that's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we put on, we put, I think we oftentimes, um, and I think we talk about this as far as men, uh, masculinity, um, but just wearing up the different hats like the men have to wear. Um, we're all husbands at this point on this podcast. Um, three, three out of the four of us are fathers. Chris is going to be a father hopefully soon. Um, we all have, you know, some type of, uh, some business or job or endeavors that we have to deal with. So we have to wear all these different hats. Uh, and it feels like we are always trying to put on, um, uh, and, and even when it seems like we are like at our worst, we have to act like we just like, Oh, we great. You know what I'm saying? Um, we can't be sad. And I, even when it comes to like my wife sometimes, I feel like I haven't been as vulnerable, um, as I could be, um, or and that could affect intimacy and not just in the terms of like sex, but as far as them getting close or allowing her to be close to me, um, to where I want her to be. So I, I'm with kind of throw that out there as, as everybody being a married man, how has that, um, that wall or that shield, um, uh, uh, affected or hindered or helped or in any way your marriage? How do you feel that that's affected that? Um, it's definitely an area that I can get better in uh, with being intimate and being open and transparent uh, with my wife. It's actually some of the stuff I talk to my therapist about, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's just that trying to, you know, have being that, that, that superhero mechanism, you know, and just trying to, you know, be the strong person. Um, a lot of times it's not good. And a lot of times it's caused uh, disagreements in the household um, because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, she ain't tripping. She just asking for me to be more open. <laughs> and a lot of right. times as men, we got to get out, of, get out of our own way uh, and realize, you know, you know what, when you get down to the root of, of the, of the issue, like what it is that they're really asking of you. And they're not asking to try to turn around and be malicious towards you. Um, they're really mm-hmm. just asking because they care uh, one about you as, as, as their husband but secondly, you know, they, they care about the marriage, care about the relationship. So it's definitely an area that, you know, I have acknowledged uh, that, you know, acknowledged privately with my wife. And so I'm also acknowledging publicly um, as, a, as a man um, that it's an area that I can continue to work on and get better in. I think it's definitely something for us that we experienced the first year of marriage just mm-hmm. because this is our first time living together and everything. So it's always like, why do you do this? Or why do you do that? So that learning process was what it was for me. Um, and for me, I love just understanding people. Um, my wife, she's kind of like of more of, why do you ask, why, why are you asking all these questions? It's to get to know you, to get to understand why you think right. the way you think and why, and getting you to understand why I think the way I think. I think one of our biggest things that we learned about each other is how to communicate. Um, she communicates things. Well, she did communicate things to how she perceives them. Mm-hmm. But I told her, you can't communicate that to me based on how you understand something. You have to communicate something to how I would understand it. Um, I think one of the best things ever, um, I believe it was the 
it was a Denzel movie. I can't remember which one it was, which one it was, but it was the one where he was always talking about, made me understand it like I was a third grader. And that has, that stuck with me since I saw that movie. I always try to communicate with, not even just her, with just anybody. How can I communicate this to where even a third grader to understand? And I believe that has helped um, us in our intimate conversations and our just overall relationship. Speaking of like that timeless piece of Kirk Franklin, how he kind of like merges um, the secular with the sacred and all like, in what ways do you think music unites or even divides us? Oh, that's a great question. I think that music, it, um, it unites us because again, music is such, it's one of the thing that knits us all together. The thing that divides us is, are the styles and genres. You have people that are all about Nuck If You Buck. And then there are people that are, that love Anthony Brown and group therapy, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think just being, being okay with what your judge is or the thing that, that draws you to music or the thing that draws you to a style of music. I think the thing, again, the thing that s- separates us or divides us is preference. Um, yeah. But, you know, all of us are impacted by music. There is some kind of song, some style of music that gets to you, you know, that thing that just drive that's a driving force for you. As far as the church is concerned, we have to do a better job of doing a holistic lesson mm-hmm. of the beauty of what sexy is. The consequence, when I say consequences, I don't always mean like negative. I mean just the results right. of right? <laughs> the consequences or results of mm-hmm. having sex. And then the ways in which uh, purity or abstinence is should be celebrated mm-hmm. and the ways that we can be successful in their pursuit. Uh, even if you even if you're not a virgin, like right. there are ways that you can, you know, recommit right. and be like, you know what? I'm chill until A, B and C. Right? right. And I think if we just approach it realistically and then don't don't demonize it. Right. I think that's the thing too. don't demonize mm-hmm. sex, but just talk about. Like really talk about if we're gonna say no fornication, let's talk about fornication. Right. Let's not talk about sex itself, and I right. think that's where they mess up. Right. We, we demonize sex, mm-hmm. right? But when we when we technically should be talking against fornication, right? And I think that's the difference that the church didn't know how to, like you said, they were well intended, well intended, but they didn't know the difference between the two. Right. And and, and what's interesting is that you know as we are in church, and the reason why they had the it's kind of they're they're up against the fight because not only are we getting this information at Bible study and and you YPWW and all that kind of stuff for those that you know don't know that's like youth YPWW. that's like youth you know Bible study or whatever um we on the same on the flip side we are listening to music we got our favorite TV shows we watching movies um and all of those medium medium right yep, medium. mediums mm-hmm. are are giving us a different story about sex they're showing us what romance and what love is and all that kind of stuff you know so mm-hmm. the, me, the um so media is giving us so much stuff you know that we're digesting and it's like oh you know they're giving me a, a bigger or broader uh a view of what you know what sex is to where yeah. the church seems like you know they can't really can't really mess with it so you know within that when it comes to media like what was it what what effect did it have on you? So, I guess. And, and when I say media, like mainstream, not like pornography. Yeah, no, absolutely, I get what you're saying. Um, so I guess the effect it had on me was that okay, so I understand the privilege that I rest in and mm-hmm. being raised in a two parent household. Okay, and while I was like 
not at all interested in my parents' sex life. <laughs> I did know that my parents were affectionate. Like we mm-hmm. were, uh, I think my entire family's love language, and it's probably just how we were raised, was mm-hmm. quality time. Mm-hmm. So we okay. would legit sit like on a Friday night. We would get either crumpies wings or X lines oh, pizza. Yes. Wings. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was just our thing: either wings or pizza, right? Mainly crumpies because they had whole wings. That's a whole other discussion. All right, but <laughs> but we would get one of those takeout places, and we would literally sit and my mama would splurge and get like a pay per view movie, mm-hmm. or we kept like HBO or something, or like we and we also had a stack full of VHSs. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to the old people who watch VHSs. Right. Blockbuster night, um, and, we, and we and we had a floor model TV. Oh. <laughs> we kept that thing for years. <laughs> my mom was like, "It work. We're watching it." But anyway, we would gather around that thing in the den and just laugh and talk, and you know how kind of like. Watching really great television is kind of like cult ish. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna say cultish, but you know it's like cult culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody. Um. So we we were like that, like Soul Food the series. Okay. Oh, I know I shouldn't watch this. Mama, but we they watched had, like, it. Sex scenes, sex scenes. Yeah, but my mama let us watch it. Um. But again, when those things happen, we would cover our eyes. Mm-hmm. Go get me some juice. I'm peeking. Or <laughs> or I was I just got smart enough in certain moments. Like you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go use the bathroom because I <laughs> I know you want me to get out. Right. Um. And I'll come on back. But anyway, we would gather as family to watch that or watch my mama love New York Undercover oh Malik Yoga and yeah you know what I'm saying but it was like but we found and I think that's why I'm such a big TV person now mm-hmm. because we found camaraderie and love I say all that to say the kids could be on the floor on the couch whatever my mom will be sitting with her legs you know across my dad mm-hmm. or my dad would like lean into her you know lean into her shoulders and things like that you know mm-hmm. so they were always very affectionate and my dad does what I do he'll walk up behind my mom and slap her butt while she while she cooking hey. and you know and even as the quote unquote evangelist you know she like she didn't say stop that in front of the children like she kept she looked back and she kept cooking uh, you know what I'm saying so I saw the ways mm-hmm. that my parents were affectionate so I don't think the even and again I have no desire to know anything <laughs> about their sex life but I also not dumb I know how babies got here right mm-hmm. I got two we got two sisters um so I know what was going on and I saw their level of affection and love mm-hmm. for each other so while I was very oblivious to what they did personally and want to remain that way uh-huh. until death <laughs> <laughs> um the media didn't really affect me so much because I knew what what I believe a healthy relationship that in, again they got kids right? right so a healthy relationship that included sex what it looks like mm-hmm. so for me if somebody's somewhere crying I'm like um oh, that's just the effects of whatever dating or singlehood singleness looks right. like because I know what compatibility and whatever whatever so while and I'm not gonna lie like as a teen some of it did influence me because mm-hmm. you know some like I said with me and my high school sweetheart even when I was in college. Some of the ways I would approach or some of my expectations okay. about sex or date nights and things like that were sometimes fueled by mm-hmm. the media. Right. Um, not so much. And sometimes music, too. Like, you hear certain songs and I want to flip you and blah, 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 blah. And then in the moment, like, oh, I don't Ooh, she kind of heavy. I don't know if I, you know, so, you know it's like, so, you know, so I right. do think even if it's subconsciously, it does weigh down on our psyche and if you don't get the kiss at the front door mm-hmm. does that mean that your your opening you know to engage is over when it may not be like it's just like she just didn't kiss you because you don't want to kiss you outside like right, you know right, what i'm right. saying like so i think there are so many like myths mm-hmm. in media mm-hmm. and music and not necessarily myths but it's it's not they don't give you what they give you they present it as a formula but right. it's not it's formula. not at all 
You know, mm-hmm. this isn't Pythagorean theorem. It doesn't apply right. to everything. You know what I'm saying? And your experience may be 30 times different. I think we can find, like we talk about the wood, when mm-hmm. I forget that character, but him and Alicia, when they finally had sex and they Mike, both lost their Is it Mike? No, Mike was the, the um Mike was the tall one. Slim was the tall one. Slim was the tall one. Mike was the one that got married. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Him and Alicia. Okay. The main, the Omar Epps character. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Omar Epps character. When they had sex the first time, I think there are like that movie scene. I think that we can relate to it because right. it was super fast. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they were doing. Didn't know I what think to do. for most young men, no matter how old you are, if it's your first time, mm-hmm. you ain't finna be in there 30, 45 minutes Listen. or nothing. Like you can tell that lie to somebody else. Right. Um. But and and both of them was like, oh. That's it? That's it. So I think there's some reality, mm-hmm. right, in what we see, some ways in which we can relate. Um, like J. Cole has a song that kind of describes his first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, What's yeah. Uh, Wet song? Dreams. Um, Wet Dreams, yep, yes. Yep, yep, yep. And listening to it, I'm like, although I wasn't in high school, but like kind of the way it played out, like having the conversations and mm-hmm. talking about this and I can be able, like all of that is kind of very similar right. to most people's first time experience Mm -hmm. so to answer so to sum it up i really think that while media for me didn't necessarily influence what sex was Mm -hmm. i do think we find familiarity and we oftentimes build some level of expectation on what we see and what we hear right and i i can agree with that because i think them to me uh you know different household single parent household and my mom was kind of intentional about like she was adamant about like you know not having dudes in the house so she was adamant about shielding us from like relationships. So she may have been doing it, you know. She said she wasn't, but she may have. I don't know. But I so I never really seen, you know, that stuff. So a lot of not a lot of some of the stuff I you know kind of grew up on TV. I I didn't really. I don't think I ever got the uh, like the like the nasty part of it, like the you know tip drill music video type stuff or the yeah no I ain't X X rated. I did I never I never thought like you know it about to that level but kind of like the you know i think i'm kind of like that person now like that you know that romance you know connection you know that type stuff like you know loving basketball type stuff that's how that happens and if you say this and you say that and this is what's going to happen and you know that that expectation of if i'm just the nice guy or i do this and i you know care then this is what the outcome will be um, but oftentimes, I, you know, I think we realize and we find out that, um, again, like you said, the reality is nothing. Well, you know what the expectation that they give us doesn't really match the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that kind of bringing it back to the wood is how media kind of, I, I think in that moment when Alicia and, and, uh, and Omar's character or the, the younger character, when they did have sex for the first time and they were like, Oh, is that it? I think they probably have their expectations off of schoolyard conversation. Like we talked about earlier or off of media. So they was thinking like, Oh, this was going to be, cause you know, some song they'd be talking about like, Oh, we haven't sex all night long. And I'll be, you know, sidebar. His name was Mike. It was so Mike, it was okay. Mike Slim and Ron. Mike Slim. Okay. Ron. And Mike was Omar Ips. Okay, but you know, in 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 music, oftentimes they're like, "Oh, we have a se- you know what is it? Color Me Bad has a song. I want to sex you up. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be sexing to the morning and all that kind of stuff." So in your mind, you're thinking like, you know, "Oh, so you know, when I do have sex, it's gonna be a long experience." But then, like in that movie, in that moment, you're like, "Oh, 
that's what that was. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, yes, I do think there is a difference between expectation and reality. So what would you say your, you know, the difference you saw based off of your expectations and then what the reality is? Um, I think the differences was like, it wasn't so ideally like, again, Trust me, and without giving too many details, I won't say any names. Like, you know, I, I lost my virginity in the dorm. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> so I think the I think the expectation was to be. Uh, first of all, I thought it would have happened younger. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But even when it did happen, I thought it would be like after a romantic. You know, even and like I am a bit of a romantic, but I'm also a realist. Right. Um. Especially being married. When you get married, like, we probably talk about that. What marriage sex is like. Sometimes you ain't got time for flowers. You ain't got time for that stuff. But anyway, but I did think it would, not that I wanted my first time to be special, um, <laughs> but I did have this expectation of it'll probably be after some date, you know, probably some committed. I, I did not think it will be like uh, a, a one-off because I lost my virginity to a, a girl I did not date. I was not <laughs> oh. dating. We were just kind of talking. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, and we actually went on like, you know, one date. And then literally after that first date, it was, that's what it was. Tied out. Um, okay. So I, yeah. So I thought it would be. Um, like we would be in a relationship and it would be with somebody that I loved and like all these kind of different expectations of what it would be. And the reality of it was, is that we were horny freshmen. Um, I think we were feeling each other mm-hmm. uh, cause we saw each other on the yard. We went out on like one little date and we went and you know, Morehouse has this thing, Morehouse and Spelman has this thing where you don't get visitation as a freshman, um, until like, Ooh, so I can't tell you how many weeks, but so many weeks. Mm-hmm. And this was after visitation, and I didn't have a roommate freshman year. Okay. So she was able to come up, and, hey. you know, it wasn't no one thing led to another. When she came up there, I think we both knew what was up. Um, and I had already been to the infirmary and had, you know, was ready. My, my contraceptives in the room and things like that. And it just happened. I walked her back to her dorm. Um, we talked a little bit. We never officially dated. Mm-hmm. I think we engaged, um, had sex maybe two or three more times. Okay. And we were just cool up until we graduated. Um, and that was just, and that was just it. So I think the expectation was to either be in this relationship or, I, or I think the flip side of that too was maybe I don't be in a relationship, but maybe I'm in this string of just like sexual partners. Right. Because I had friends as teenagers. That's what they did. Right. Mm-hmm. They just was. They by the time they were eighteen, they probably had eighteen partners. Getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just getting it in. I was like, maybe I would, but I also I always was also the good guy. So I kind of knew too. that wouldn't be my path. Um, so the fact that I wasn't in a committed relationship, wasn't even in a relationship with the girl that I lost my virginity to or anything like that. We just kind of were what we were for each other, mm-hmm. literally for about a month and a half, and that was it. Um, so I think that was very different. And the fact, like I said. It wasn't what the movie showed. It right. wasn't what well, it even wasn't what the wood showed because even like after we had our initial little moment, like we was like, "All right, cool, that's it." Because she wasn't a virgin, and she's like, okay. "All right, now that you got that out the way, just run it back." Me, you know, <laughs> so let me run it back. And so I think, I think that's the other thing too. I thought it would be both of us mm-hmm. as virgins, where like I was in this position to where, sorry, mom, um, <laughs> where she was like she was she taught me. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know, right? So I think that was, like, and I think that's the other thing, like, too, like, we um, kind of put sex in a space where the man mm-hmm. leads and he knows everything and he's the one that's supposed to be leading and blah, 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 blah. When actually, we're going to be honest, it's really easy for men to be pleased. Easy. Um, I do think <laughs> that there are ways where we can be kind of like bored with it or whatever. But right. for the most part, if we're attracted to you and we want it, 
we gonna get what 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 needs to happen from us is gonna happen. But right. women, it has to be emotional connection. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes you know ways that you need to reach that spot for them, like all right. these different type of things. So she got into the drivers. I think that was different too. Like, I wasn't expecting to be a student. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I you know I just wasn't expecting it. But like, did, well, like, what were some of those things for you? I would actually say it's, it's kind of similar. It's kind of parallel. I will say this. Okay. So so I know earlier I talked about as far as my like you know late blooming. Uh, was due to like the fear of God, but I was also like deathly shy of like girls. I don't know what okay. it was, you know. I was just like super shy. So shout out to all the people who I curved back in the day. I was like extremely shy, and I was just low key. I was just afraid, you know. what I'm saying like I didn't. It was the you know the um, the insecurities. You know, to be honest, the insecurities of the conversations in the locker room. You hear other people talking about like I'm doing X Y Z, blah 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 blah, and this yeah. this and that, and then I'm I'm, I'm on. I'm thinking like. I'm afraid of that. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, I didn't have the confidence in that. So same thing when, you know, when I did have sex for the first time, it was a person who, you know, I would say, uh, was in control. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like I was learning, uh, in that moment and it wasn't like a, and it wasn't even like a romantic situation. It wasn't like, you know, dinner, we walk in the park holding hands, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll drop you off at the house. We were just at the house bored, on Martin Luther King Day one year, <laughs> off work, ain't doing nothing, just bored, and it's like, mm, want to have sex? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like on some, um, on some like, uh, like romantic type stuff. And I like to say I like romance, but it was just like a, we ain't doing nothing. Let's just have sex. Yeah. We ain't doing yeah. nothing. Let's do each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like that. And it was like I was just enjoying the ride. Um, literally, <laughs> literally, <laughs> just enjoying the ride, and then, it, and then in my mind, I was thinking like, "Oh, okay, that's it." And then, and then here's the thing: here's the kicker. I was not prepared. <laughs> so we talked about being prepared. I was not prepared. But let's go ahead and get into some black men self care, and then let's wrap up this um this episode. Let's do it. Usa, Usa, Usa. All right, so here we are in Black Man Self Care. Um, Brian, what you got going on this weekend, man? Um, last weekend, okay, I, I was at the J work. You were. I was there, and I got you the were. I got the work in. So yeah, how'd you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it. You know, the, the yeah. instructor uh, does a great job of you know pushing you, and that's a, a good, good workout. It's, it's 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 not difficult, but it definitely pushes you. Um, so definitely you do a great job of, uh, of doing that, putting that together. So yeah, I would recommend anybody, <clears throat> even any, anywhere it's, it's, it's virtual. So if you West coast, East coast, dirty South, whatever you can get on and work out with us, please do. Um, but, um, other than that, um, nothing, I can't think of anything I'm going to actually do intentionally that I need, I need to do. I need to find something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I might just hang out of the house uh, and just relax. I don't have any yard work to do. I don't have anything to clean up. I don't have anything to fix at the house. So I may just lay in the bed and just chill. I think that's what I'm going to do. I need to do that. Gotcha. Well, Shout out to the J-Work. So if you're going to do the J-Work, this is your last week to do it. I am shutting it down. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Um, wow. I have I have another partnership that I'm doing where I'm still be doing virtual classes, but mm-hmm. not on Saturday. So... Uh, I'm going to definitely enjoy and make this last ride out session one for the road. Okay. Um, we, 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 you might be in some pain if you come to this. <laughs> we we, we going to work. Um, but as far as self-care, 
I finally found, I think all the people who were building home gyms and stuff have either got everything they needed or they've returned to their gyms. So I found a squat rack at Walmart that I've been wanting. Okay. And anybody who works out knows squat rack is like when you get the squats and you're able to put it down. So I haven't been able to do a lot of like barbell weighted squats because I didn't have a rack to place it on because I'm not trying to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to do a lot of bench press with a barbell because the squat rack can also serve as the rack that you place it above you. Mm-hmm. So I got one. Uh, so I'll be putting that together and reconfiguring my little home gym to make sure that everything um, fits and, and works out. So. Uh, but Brian, I think we got some some letters we need to read before we close out this year. Yeah, we do. All right, let's get into that. All right. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mister Bowman. Wait, hey, 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 Mister Bowman. All righty, we are here at our PO box. I went down to you know and I opened it up and we actually had something. Okay. I'm excited. Okay. Um, and I believe it's going to be a doozy. Oh, well, let me let me sit up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a person identifies as he, him. Okay. So we got to make sure the pronouns are right. Okay. We, yes, this, is 20, this is 2020 going to 21. Let's make sure these pronouns are right. We, ex- we, we respect your identification. We do. <laughs> we do. We respect it. Um, so, yeah. Identifies as him, he. Okay. Uh, so we need a name. Ooh, um, he, him, let's do Overton Wakefield Jones. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Okay, yep. That's the good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Overton. All right, Overton. What up, Obi? Uh, what up, <laughs> Obi? <laughs> Got a letter from Overton that says this. What's going on, guys? Love the podcast, and I love that you two are giving us black male excellence. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I take a bow. I take a bow. Glory <laughs> I'm up. Glad you feel it. Glory up. <laughs> I've been looking for this type of perspective. <clears throat> Excuse me. And man, you guys do not disappoint. Oh, well, thank you again. Well, you, you're just out here just giving us glory the glory up. <laughs> yes. Merry Christmas to us. <laughs> we are somebody. Listen. Um. So so here's the thing. And so when people say here's the thing, that's Kind of extend this up for something. So that's no, what they says. said, oh, let me sit up again. <laughs> so here's the thing. Okay. I'm a 28-year-old virgin. All right. Okay. Your jingle haven't jangled. Let me take a sip on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> your jingle hasn't been jangled. <laughs> I was waiting on you to catch it. <laughs> Read the letter, Brian. <laughs> so I'm a 28-year-old virgin. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend and I have been dating for almost two years now mm-hmm. and have been quarantined together. Ooh, Ooh. Jesus, how? Strength to your loins. Right. I couldn't do it. Um, because of our discipline, remaining celibate has, been, has not been a huge issue. Okay. However, I proposed to her right after Thanksgiving, so my girlfriend is now my fiance. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, all things considered, my mindset about waiting to waiting for sex has changed. I bet it has. <laughs> Ooh, uh, while I don't want to be cliche, I do want to give her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, while I don't want to, be, while I don't want to be cliche, uh-huh. I do want to give her this ping on Christmas. <laughs> oh. oh. 
a meaty gift. <laughs> a meaty, it's a, a sausage. <laughs> uh, well, maybe not on Christmas Day. <laughs> well, maybe not on Christmas Day. Okay. Long story, less long. I think I am ready. Okay. It would be a song I would <laughs> sing there, but I would not sing because Seems like you're I'm ready. Not singing. I'm not. I will not. Uh, I think I'm ready. She is not a version. To not go <laughs> all the way. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, Obi. Go ahead, Brian. Finish, finish the letter. Finish the letter. <sighs> so she is not a version. Okay. <clears throat> and I supported my decision to wait. Oh, that's so nice. For her. That's, that's nice. I know she is the one. And as we move into marriage, I can't think of too many more reasons to keep waiting. Mm, okay. If she is willing and ready, whew, should I give her the meat or should I wait until the, <laughs> should I wait until our big day? I really trust you guys. So your opinion will help me a ton. Love the show and happy holidays. Overton, Wakefield, Jones. Ooh. So, Obi, let me uh, first apologize. Our laughing is not laughing at you. Um, not, at not at all. We've both been in spaces where we've navigated uh, manhood, masculinity, mm -hmm. virginity, mm -hmm. and have dealt with some of these same questions. So part of the laughter is familiarity. Um, it is the, the very real emotions that you're going through of trying to figure out being celibate and you know now that you're engaged and you know how your mindset is changing and all these different types of things <sighs> i think if i'm gonna be honest with you bro and this is not a politically correct answer but i really think you have to do some i don't know that i can tell you while it is not let me say it this way it is not common for another man to say to another man and be like you know, your flower, your blah, 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 blah. Right. But virginity is a thing, right? It is. That I think if we talk about it and have a real conversation, even among men, it's something that we should cherish and that we should um, be able to, um, once we are, you know, experience sex for the first time, it, I, 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 I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, it should be something special, but I think it should be something that is well thought out mm -hmm. and it's something that's intentional, right? Right. I think at 28 years, he's 28, right? Yep, 28. I think at 28 years old, you're in a space to where you can make a wise and informed decision about mm -hmm. that. Um, so I said all that to say, I am not the one, neither do I think that I'm qualified to tell you what to do with, <laughs> with your nether regions, right? Right. Um, I think that in 28 years, you have had your own convictions. Mm -hmm. You did not say here that you are a virgin because of the church or like you didn't give us any implication. Right. I would I make the assumption right uh, but you didn't give us that implication you mm -hmm. just it seemed as if that you've waited or maybe the opportunity has not come or it could right. have been you know you were you know doing this whole purity movement type of thing and and you know and following um some things that were taught in um traditionally in christianity right so i will say that i am not going to necessarily tell you if i put on my preacher hat i'm mm -hmm. gonna say wait Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and especially it depending on when your when when your wedding day is, right? So if you're one of people who are not going to be engaged long, like you're talking about a six month engagement or something, then mm -hmm. it's very possible that you could wait and you know and and, and you know and you could wait till the big day. If you're right. talking about being engaged for another year, two years, we have to be realistic about oh, where yeah. your current mind is 
versus where it was before and the fact that you all are technically living together. Right. It's going to get harder and harder, no pun intended, no pun right, intended. <laughs> um, to not be able to do it. So, again, I think you have to do some real soul searching about why you've waited this long, mm-hmm. right? Think about some of the things that could change with sex because right. sex does bring a different element to any relationship. Right. Um, so think about some of those concepts before you make that ultimate decision. Um, whatever you do, I would say um, I'm assuming that both of you all have been faithful to each other. So, but it still does not, you know, stop me from saying be safe because you don't, you probably don't want a child. Um, not right now. So um, make sure that you're still being responsible with sex. Make sure that if you do decide to do it, that you are being safe. Make sure that you taper your expectations because mm-hmm. you, as even though you are 28, you are a virgin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, right, don't and, think you're gonna be a <laughs> right. Don't think you're gonna be a stallion up in this thing, <laughs> right? And make sure that you have a conversation with her about it too. And I'm sure her expectations are in a certain place because you are a virgin and she's not. But just make, but be willing to learn. Right. Because she's going to be the one that's going to be doing some teaching and things like that. Mm -hmm. So while she may be identifying what she wants, you're going to be identifying what you like. So both of you all are going to be in a space where you're going to be figuring some things out. Uh, So just be prepared. And I think have those type of conversations before you make any decision and whatever decision you make. I think that you'll make it. I think it'll be one with wisdom. Um, And yeah, Brian. Um, I think you said some great things. I will say, uh, I do support you. Uh, I definitely want to encourage you. And, um, because oftentimes, especially in, you know, male masculine culture, it's like knocking down as many you can knock down is mm-hmm. like, you know, celebrated. Yeah. Uh, and celibacy is not celebrated. So I want to, you know, celebrate you for, you know, yeah. Um, making an intelligent decision and not based off of peer pressure either way, right? So you made the decision uh, based off of the decision that you wanted to make based off your maturity level uh, and, you know, finding the right person, right? So I definitely want to celebrate you for that and commend you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think we kind of talked about this as far as on the last, on the episode we talked about uh, sex, which was, you know, it's the sex for me, which was a great episode. Go back and listen to it. Yes. Um <clears throat> we kind of talked about as far as the, the prerequisites in, in, in a sense to having sex. And one of them was the maturity, right? So um, if you feel like you're in a mature space in place to do it again, the preacher in me says, you know, wait, because you know, if, depending on how much longer you have to get married, you know, um, you kind of put yourself in a tough, tough position because y'all, you know, are living together mm-hmm. so um i you know, that would be hard for me to you know to be in a position like that um so it seems like you thought this out so whatever decision you make is the decision you make as long as you do it with maturity and with conviction um and you are comfortable with your decision that's all i can say um so godspeed to you um and let us know what happens um, if you get the draws or don't get the draws, hey. no. <laughs> um, let us know. And always, you know, safe sex is the best sex protection, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, it's not just about babies. It's also about you know other things that you can catch. 
Um, so be mature with them that level as well. But that's it, man. You do you. Um, make the decision based off of what you all talk about. Um, again, like Josh said, don't expect this to be, you know, all those songs that the dudes talk about where y'all going to be just having sex until the sun come up. It's not going to happen. You might get a couple pumps out, bro, and then you're going to be sleepy. Literally a couple. <laughs> um, but yeah, but whatever you do, mm. let us know what happened. Right. We want to know. <laughs> we want to know. Tell us what happened. Right. Tell us if you was able to get in her purse. <laughs> and, and what that was like you know if you was able to take your belt strap and put it in her purse right and I'm, I'm gonna say this say it having sex is like pandora's box oh my god once you get in well, that box once you get in that box <laughs> you will never be the once same once your jingle has jangled <laughs> You're gonna wanna jangle like jangle like jangle like jangle like you wanna jangle it again. Bap, 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 bap. Yeah, but Obi man, thank you for trusting us. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> trusting <laughs> us. If with, you, your, with, if your, you, with your virginity. With your virginity. <laughs> like taking your listen, you try to take your sausage out the package for the first time. Hmm. And and it is definitely something that you should take seriously. Yeah. And it's yeah. a journey. So please update us on the for real yeah. tip. Um, even if it's just something that you want to update us and we don't even read out loud, just let us know. We want to be able to support you in whatever decision you have made. Um, Brian, you want to do one last rant of the year? Let's do it. Let's get this last thing out and then uh, go into the year. New Year 2021 with everything yeah, off of our chest. With everything off our chest. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Let me talk. Let me talk. All right, so here we are in a greater conversation, and you know this is the piece and the place where we just kind of rant. And I just want to give that prerequisite before I begin to go in on the trash organization that is the World Olympics. So now, oh. what I brought to the I brought to the group mm-hmm. was that the Olympics has banned a South African athlete. Uh, because another competitor or other competitors are tired of losing to mm. her. Um, what they've decided to do that um, there's this story about this South African um, runner. She she's a black woman runner. Her name is Castor. I hope I'm saying this properly. Her name is Castor Semenya, and she is a very athletically built woman and naturally produces a lot of testosterone. So in order for her to compete in this next Olympic summer games, they saying that she now has to take these pills or medications to be able to reduce the level of testosterone that she naturally produces Mm -hmm. so that she can compete. Um, And what I see it as is really in the words of um, our auntie Monique, it is gender bias. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is racial bias but no this is seriously though because the same thing um with michael phelps they said that his he had medical tests that proved that his body produces less than half of the lactic acids than his other um competitors produce in the olympic games as far as swimming and that gives him a kind of natural advantage and they praised him and said how lucky he is to kind of have that because it helps him as a swimmer but when it becomes a black woman they are now questioning the identity of her gender they are not putting the pressures on her because she's black and now she has to some way reduce what she does mm. naturally 
just so that these slow performing white women could be able to compete with her. What part of me really wants her to do is to take the pills and still kick their butt. That's what part of me just wants to do just to prove a right. point. But the other part of me is a lot more bold and loud and say, while I don't want you, sis, to miss the Olympics, what I don't want you also to do is compromise who you are and what happens to your body naturally mm-hmm. just so that white people can feel Ooh, that's better a word. about themselves. If you cannot compete, if you can't beat me, then you're just, you, this is, here's the thing, you're not better mm. than her. You're not better than her. So you're mad that um, just your white skin is proving that you are actually um, that you that, that she's not inferior to you in this moment because she naturally produces more testosterone, which is making her stronger. Which, But do you also understand that you could she could probably still produce all this testosterone and probably still not be a skilled runner? Like that doesn't make her faster. That doesn't mean that she would understand the ways in which she needs to pace, how she needs to breathe, how she needs to. She still has to train like I could probably be. I produce more testosterone right now because I work out, but I couldn't go out and do what some other people are doing as far as athletics are concerned because I'm not adequately training to do that. So it really does not matter what kind of rationale they put in it. And she actually lost, Brian, her appeal in courts. Um to go against this ruling that they did. I think it is egregious. I think it is sexist. Mm. I think it is ridiculously racist because this would not happen to another white woman. Uh, as we saw with Michael Phelps, right. this does not happen to another white man. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you are imposing this among our South African sister right. is absolutely asinine. There is no reason why any questions about who she is and how she presents and, you know, and how her body just kind of naturally chemically produces should come into question because other folk cannot win. Like when she reaches a certain age, she will be out of Olympic competition. Right. So that's the thing. It's kind of like the um, the Williams sisters in right. tennis. Like they they for a season, nobody could beat mm-hmm. them. I mean, nope. They just now kind of start losing to right, people, right? right? And but like that was not like you can't say that they and they tried to do that with uh, Serena a little bit by kind of censoring how she dressed mm-hmm. and what she did. They were trying to find ways to tone her down. But none of that really stopped the excellence of who she was. And this is what you're trying to do. You want me to diminish myself naturally just so that you white people can feel um, better and want me to continue to be inferior to you. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. And you're trash. I don't care how old your organization is. I don't care how established it is. I don't care any of those kind of things. You are trash. You deserve to be in hot, flaming garbage. You deserve to experience the same kind of hell COVID-19 is experiencing for the kind of rules and regulations that you are imposing specifically among this black woman. So keep your head up, Miss um, Caster. I hope I'm saying, I hope I'm saying <laughs> that. I'm, a, I'm not going to even attempt your last name again. But Miss Caster over there from South Africa, like keep your head up. I know this is a blow to your career and everything that you've worked hard for and everything that you fought to do as far as your um, athletic pursuits and endeavors are concerned. But I promise you there are some of us who are fighting and advocating on your behalf and behalf of other amazing black women who have some of the same fights, right? Not just in sports, but in corporate spaces where they try to get them to diminish who they Mm -hmm. are and bow down to their intellect. I was just watching Girlfriends and there was an episode where all the male attorneys was over talking her and they wanted her to kind of not be as aggressive in in, in the room because as a woman, she didn't want to come off as being too much. They tried to blame it on her period and all these other types of things. Like we have to get past the fact that women cannot that that 
it's, it is almost unfathomable that women can't be as strong and as powerful as men. No, they have the right, the capacity and everything else to lead and to even be better in certain areas than anybody else is in the room. And for a matter of fact, I think black women uh, specifically are our first line of superheroes. Right. Um, so so we cannot ever diminish their power. But I thought this was absolutely stupid. And I want the Olympics um, people, everybody who making the decisions to know how trash you are, because I'm almost positive. Almost positive that that decision was made within a room full of old white men. Um, yes. <laughs> there probably wasn't a woman anywhere in the room. So, trash, trash, trash. That's all I got. Trash, 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 and more trash. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, you know, go in a different direction. Um, Joshua, where do I start? Um, so, Just start. Uh, let me start off by saying this. You know, I do support... Um, good policing, good police officers. I do also support the uh, police reform. Uh, we need to dismantle some of this stuff uh, to rebuild better, bigger and better. I do not contone in any way uh, any violence toward police officers. Uh, I know that they, you know, are doing their jobs. Uh, and I have family members who are in law enforcement. Joshua, you have family members who are in law enforcement. You also, you know, mm-hmm. lost someone who is in law enforcement. So um, yep. I do not have any issues or ill will toward um, good Police officers. All right. So, um, so, you know, two police officers recently in the LA County, uh, 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 Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, we, you know, were shot recently and hospitalized, things of that nature. Um, so, shouts out to them, prayers up to them. I don't want to see anybody die. Um, however, mm-hmm. Sheriff Alex Villanueva, um, on an interview, radio interview, uh, decided or thought that it may be wise to, you know, thought it was cute. Uh, to kind of challenge LeBron James, uh, and he said, "I want to mm-hmm. match. I want LeBron James to match double for d- double uh, the reward, uh, which is about two hundred grand. Uh, match the reward uh, that we are um, that we have up right now for the person uh, to catch the person who uh, shot those two police officers." Uh, basically mm-hmm. what he tried to do was try to kind of put LeBron James on the spot and kind of make it seem like, Oh, LeBron, if you, you know, you say you care about law enforcement, you say you care about, um, uh, the, uh, the relations, race relations with the police officers, law enforcement and the black community and stuff like that. And if you really say you are, or you do what you say you are. And, and, you know, you really care about police officers. I'm challenging you to step up the plate and do the right thing. And, and, you know, and show up for, you know, your police officers. So, uh, I just want to make mention, this is the same, uh, department or, uh-huh. uh, group uh, who's actually being sued right now by the wife of the late great goat, uh, Kobe Bean Bryant, uh, and the mother of Gianna Gigi Bryant. Um, she's actually suing the same department because this uh, department actually, uh, some of their, well, eight, uh, of their officers decided to take pictures or oh, well, one officer decided to take pictures of the of the of the scene of the horrific crash that took place. And he took pictures of Kobe and uh, uh, his daughter and all the people that were on the helicopter took pictures mm-hmm. uh, and then thought he was so cool that he would want to show these pictures off to other people. And he showed these same pictures and he shared these pictures with other people. Um, and this same sheriff, uh, whoever his name is, uh, Villanueva, um, he did not, I don't think any of these people were fired. Uh, they were, quote unquote, were disciplined. But here you are, you're trying to sit there and call out LeBron James about uh, uh, trying to put him on the spot 
uh, about trying to double the money or do things of that nature to hold LeBron James accountable when you're not even holding your own police officers accountable. Here at all, you're trying to call out LeBron James, who, mind you, is really good friends or was really good friends with Kobe Bryant. The same person who you allow to have this man's dead photos, the bodies of his dead, the, the photos of his dead bodies, the photos of, of his daughter's dead body to be disseminated all over the world, all over the Internet and stuff like that. And here you are trying to be cute uh, and, and trying to act like you really care about the black community. Please stop lying. The thing that bothers me oftentimes about um, the police departments who try to act like this and try to bring up race or try to call people out is that the same energy that you have trying to call people out and try to say, oh, you can do this if you really cared about that you don't really care about it yourself right oftentimes this this is the same guy who who sat there and said oh it seems like these athletes and stuff like that are fanning the flames of hate and things of that nature last time i checked um lebron james is not a police officer last time i checked um mm-hmm. we are citizens um and their job is to protect and serve us last time i checked those trash taxes that we were talking about pay their salaries right so um it's not about us trying to bridge that gap and be good to you. It's your job to be good to us because you are the protecting uh, and the serving of us. Granted, I am not, uh, and I'm not. I don't condone uh, people treating police officers bad. You know, they are human beings. You know, stuff like that. But keep that same energy when it comes to you trying to get justice for your police officers who got shot. Keep that same energy with Ray Ray and John John and stuff like that, and, and really putting up your money to find these people's killers. There's people that get killed all the time, like uh, uh they say in Paid in Full. People die every day, B. Right. Um, keep that same energy when it comes to trying to find other people's killer. Keep that same energy when they call people out and ask for help and stuff like that. And you want to put people on the carpet, call your own people out when they're doing the wrong thing. And the problem that I really have when it comes to policing, um, even when it comes to them uh, doing things the wrong way or um, uh, um, like shootings or um, a brutality, the thing, the problem yeah. I really have with it is the lack of one of accountability um, and, and, and disciplinary action. Like the, the the and the people that actually go along with it. Say, say for instance, these same Karens and Kevin's who justify police brutality will want um, the server who brings out their food cold um, to have their job lost. But quick to call quick the to call a manager. But when somebody actually kills somebody or when somebody beats somebody up, you have an excuse of why um, they were just doing their job. No, um, police officers, you have the right to serve us. Um, that is your job. We did not uh, we did not hire you. We did not elect you. You went down to that place. You signed on the application. You went to the police academy. You decided to put on that badge and that uniform every day. Blue lives do not matter because they do not exist. Um, <laughs> let me say that again. Blue lives do not matter because they do not exist hold it back a daddy <laughs> do not exist your job is to protect and to serve so before you want to call out somebody and say that someone is uh, uh spreading hate and fanning the uh, fanning the flames of hate if you do your job right and you hold those accountable that are doing their job wrong then we will have no problem with you but instead what you want to do is when you do your job wrong, you want to blame the person who you did the job wrong to and then act like everyone else is just crazy because you can't do your job. Right. So, again, I, I love good police officers, but it's time for those good police officers to really openly rebuke and call out those bad police officers. So then, therefore, um, you can have a better society. And there uh, I have it. But, you know, uh, it's, I'm not on some ethical police type stuff, but y'all need to get it together um, because, uh, you know, this ain't cool. And uh, justice for Breonna Taylor, that $12 million ain't nothing. We want justice. They need to go to jail. And that's that's where I am. I'm going to chill before I, you know, I, you know, get too mad.
<laughs> well, and I think you know what that means. This has been another episode <laughs> of the Jigsaw yes. Podcast. That's been another episode of the Jigsaw Podcast. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. As you know, that you can um, follow us individually at I am Brian Hare and I am Josh Rogers. You can follow the podcast at the Jigsaw Podcast or write in. Please write in. We would love to hear from you. Um, by writing in at um, to the Jigsaw Podcast at gmail.com and be sure to spread the word about the podcast, like us, rate us, uh, positive ratings only, mm -hmm. uh, five stars only. Amen. <laughs> five stars only. And um, we appreciate y'all for all your support. Brian, do you have any announcements you want to throw to the people? Um, do I have any announcements? I don't know if I have any announcements. Um, I love black people. <laughs> Does that need to be said? I think it needs to be said. Uh, I'll uh, protect black women. That needs to be said. That's an announcement. So I don't think yeah. I have anything else. I, I don't. I don't have anything either, other than you can join me to work out Saturday. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> join the workout. So go to the website and register for that. But um, I think that's um, it. Oh, well, I think that is it. So Josh, please tell the people what they need to do. They need to never allow the ghetto of adulting mm. and this world to stress mm. them out. Because let me tell you something. All you can do is do what you can while you can. But you know what, Brian? What? We will never, never get caught. Never. <laughs> with our work yes, done. Yes, Lord. Never. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. It's been a good one. we see y'all next week. All That's right, it. Peace.